This is The World in Brief from The Economist. Our top stories. Israel's parliament voted by 92 to 0 to dissolve itself, triggering a new election to be held on November 1st. It will be the country's fifth in under four years. On Friday, Israel's Prime Minister Naftali Bennett will be replaced by Yair Lapid, now Foreign Minister, who will run a caretaker government until the election. Before the vote, Mr Bennett, who was in charge for just a year, said he would not run again for a seat in the Knesset. The jostling makes possible a comeback by Benjamin Netanyahu, a former Prime Minister. China's President Xi Jinping arrived in Hong Kong for events celebrating the 25th anniversary of the territory's handover from British to Chinese rule. In preparation for the anniversary on July 1st, many of the city's streets and buildings have been adorned with red Chinese flags. It is Mr Xi's first trip outside of mainland China since the pandemic began, and his first visit to Hong Kong since 2017. America promised to deploy more troops, warplanes and warships to Europe as part of NATO's fundamental shift following Russia's invasion of Ukraine. During a summit in Madrid, the alliance agreed to fortify its eastern flank, declaring Russia to be its most significant and direct threat. President Joe Biden also backed the sale of American-made F-16 fighter jets to Turkey, a day after the country dropped its opposition to NATO membership for Finland and Sweden. Russian forces withdrew from Snake Island, a tiny but strategically important chunk of Ukrainian territory in the Black Sea. Russia called the move a gesture of goodwill to show that it is not blocking food exports by sea from Ukraine. But Ukraine claims it forced the occupiers into a hasty retreat, having in recent days intensified its efforts to remove them. The committee investigating the insurrection at the US Capitol on January 6, 2021, subpoenaed Donald Trump's White House counsel. Pat Cipollone will be asked to testify about the former president's role in the riot, but also about his various schemes to try to overturn the 2020 election, which, as a member of the Trump administration in its final months, Mr Cipollone was privy to. Ferdinand Bongbong Marcos was sworn in as the president of the Philippines in Manila. Sarah Duterte, the daughter of Rodrigo Duterte, the outgoing president, was sworn in as vice president. In his inaugural speech, Mr Marcos, whose father once ruled in a violent and corrupt dictatorship, said, I am here not to talk about the past. I am here to tell you about our future. A French court found 20 men guilty for their role in the terrorist attacks that killed 130 people at the Bataclan Theatre, a stadium and various cafes in Paris in 2015. Islamic State claimed responsibility. The lone survivor of the 10-member team that carried out the massacre was convicted of murder and attempted murder related to terrorism and sentenced to life in prison without the possibility of parole. The others stand accused of assisting with transport or logistics. And facts of the day. 651. The number of people who died trying to cross America's border with Mexico in 2021. And now, here's a deeper look at the day ahead. Indonesia's president goes to Moscow. In the past four months, a steady stream of national leaders have met their warring counterparts in Russia and Ukraine, 
Up next is Joko Widodo, the Indonesian president. After visiting Volodymyr Zelensky, Ukraine's president, on Wednesday, Jokowi, as he is known, will meet Vladimir Putin on Thursday. Jokowi is the first Southeast Asian leader to visit both countries since Russia's invasion. He has described his, quote, mission as trying to prevent a looming food crisis that risks casting poor countries, which rely on grain imports from Russia and Ukraine, quote, into the abyss of extreme poverty and hunger, unquote. He is unlikely to succeed. But as president of this year's G20 meeting, in November he has invited both Mr. Zelensky and Mr. Putin to attend, even though Ukraine, unlike Russia, is not a member. If they do, it will be quite an achievement. And if he can position Indonesia as a world power capable of mediating conflict, all the better. The Marcos family returns to the Philippine presidency. On Thursday, Ferdinand Bongbong Marcos will take over from Rodrigo Duterte as president of the Philippines. Among the onlookers at the inauguration will be Imelda Marcos, mother of the new president and widow of the first Ferdinand Marcos to hold that position. The regime of the elder Marcos terrorized its opponents and looted the economy before a popular uprising restored democracy in 1986. But by glossing over the stain on his family's name, the younger Mr. Marcos won the presidential election in May despite offering Filipinos few details on how he planned to govern. The rehabilitation of the Marcos dynasty has practical as well as symbolic meaning. Mrs. Marcos, who turns 93 on Saturday, is free on bail while she appeals against her conviction for graft in 2018 part of a $200 million corruption case stemming from her husband's two decades in office. But once in office, her son will have the authority to pardon his mother. The plane in Spain stays mainly on the ground. On Thursday, Ryanair cabin crew in Spain began a three-day strike, shortly after similar action in several other European countries. Though the airline claims the first strikes caused little disruption, this one coincides with a stoppage by employees at EasyJet, also in Spain. Meanwhile, staff at British Airways and Scandinavian Airlines have threatened a walkout. Other airlines and airports are battling through fractious pay talks, and some air traffic controllers may also down tools. Pent-up demand from flyers in Europe and America had already outpaced the ability of airlines and airports to reemploy staff laid off during the pandemic. A lack of workers has led to cancellations on both continents, as well as long queues and peak travel times. The July 4th holiday weekend in America will prove another test for airlines, airports, and passengers. Add in the strikes, and it all makes for a gloomy summer in the departure lounge. Joe Biden considers offshore oil and gas. With petrol prices in America at record levels and inflation at a 40-year high, President Joe Biden is under pressure to act. His administration's five-year plan for offshore oil and natural gas development, a draft of which is due on Thursday, could offer some ideas on how it intends to deal with the energy crisis. Republicans and the occasional fossil fuel-friendly Democrat have criticized Mr. Biden's administration for hesitating to open new offshore sites for extraction. More supply, they contend, will help bring prices down. But environmentalists believe cutting the supply of fossil fuel is necessary to pivot America toward greener energy. Complicating matters further, when Mr. Biden was running for office, 
he pledged to ban new drilling in federal waters. Still, whatever Mr. Biden's plans, no additional fuel can arrive quickly enough to alleviate America's current energy woes. Until a final oil and gas plan is approved later this year, leases on new sites cannot be auctioned to companies. And those leases anyway take years to bring supplies to market. Americans will be stuck with wallet-guzzling petrol prices for a while yet. A simpler alternative to IVF? In vitro fertilization, the process by which an embryo is created artificially and inserted into a uterus, is marvelous. But it involves serious medical intervention, costs a lot of money, and often fails. According to new research by Lindsay Mackin of the University of British Columbia, there may be a simpler alternative. When infertility is caused by a blockage of the fallopian tubes, one option is to try unblocking them with a fine wire. This process, called re-canalization, is not new. But Dr. Mackin thinks it is underused. Between 2015 and 2021, Dr. Mackin's team examined 725 women who had at least one blocked fallopian tube. The doctors were able to reopen a clogged tube in 539 of them by using recanalization. Dr. Mackin did not look into how likely these women would subsequently be to conceive without IVF. But with about 2.5 million cycles of the treatment performed each year, somebody should. Daily Quiz Our baristas will serve you a new question each day this week. On Friday... Your challenge is to give us all five answers and, as important, tell us the connecting theme. Email your responses and include mention of your home city and country by 1700 BST on Friday to quizespresso at economist.com. We'll pick randomly from those with the right answers and crown one winner per continent on Saturday. Thursday. Which British newspaper was founded as the Daily Universal Register in 1785? Wednesday. Which Christmas carol was based on a poem by Christina Rossetti, set to music by Gustav Holst? Finally, here's the quote of the day from Amprakash Valmiki, who was born on this day in 1950. Why didn't an epic poet ever write a word about our lives? That's The World in Brief from The Economist, available three times every day of the week. You can also hear interviews and analysis from our journalists, including our current affairs podcast, The Intelligence, on your podcast app. And subscribers to The Economist have access to each week's full edition in audio. Just download The Economist app to start listening. 